America is an amazing country filled with wonderful people who do incredible things. But too often, the media and liberal politicians ignore big parts of our nation and the people who make it work. So I'm speaking with leaders and policymakers who deal with real problems every day. I'm Ronna McDaniel, and this is Real America. Today, I'm going to be speaking with Jen Kiggins, the Republican nominee for Virginia's 2nd Congressional District. We're going to cover everything from her incredible resume and military service to veterans' issues and how Democrat policies have hurt our children's education. So I am really excited to have Jen Kiggins on Real America. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you. And um, I'm excited to introduce you to everybody, but I'm, I'm starting things a little different because you are a candidate. You are one of the top House seats in Virginia to flip back the House and retire Nancy Pelosi. So I'm going to start with, and I'm going to end with, how do we support your campaign? So while people are listening, they can go be donating. So how do we support you in your candidacy? Great. So probably the easiest way is on my website, which is www.genforcongress, so J-E-N-F-O-R, congress.com. Very easy. And there's an address if you prefer to mail a check or you can donate right there online. Perfect. Make sure to help her. She needs the money. Elaine Loria is spending a ton mm-hmm. against her, and, and Jen is absolutely a stellar candidate, which you're going to learn right now. So um, let's get to know you a little bit. So w- which district are you running in Virginia? Talk about your district that you're running in. Yeah, so this is the second district in Virginia, which is Hampton Roads area. And with redistricting, uh, it became more Republican for okay, us. Good. So it went from R plus 1 to about R plus 6, uh, which is not you know R plus 25, but it's winnable. It's winnable at R plus 6, very winnable, especially this cycle. So we have all of Virginia Beach area, and then I have the Eastern Shore. Uh, we lost some of the Democratic strongholds of Norfolk and the peninsula, but we gained places like Chesapeake and Suffolk, Franklin, Smithfield, Isla White. So we're very excited about a more conservative district. It's a more rural district, more common sense district. It's not it's not far red. It's not far blue. You know, it's it's still a very purpley district, but, uh, but the winds that are back, especially in Virginia— uh, with a lot of the momentum from last year. So we're feeling good about it. And you're running against a Democrat incumbent who's going to be really well-funded. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to get to know you a little bit better because you are absolutely perfect for this district with your background. So um, Navy, helicopter pilot, nurse, mom, four kids. Talk about um, you a little bit. Where'd you grow up? How'd you end up getting into the Navy and becoming a helicopter pilot? Yeah, good question. So I actually grew up in Orlando, Florida. Okay. I'm from Florida. No way. And, uh, We're yeah. in Orlando right now for everybody who doesn't know. <laughs> so it's good to be home for a day. Yeah. Uh, and then I, I went to school at Boston University, studied international relations. I uh, actually took a year off to go teach English in Japan. We had such a delay to start flight school uh, that I had been an exchange student in Japan and, oh, cool. uh, and went back. That's and so, so cool. Yeah, that was Do my, you speak I, Japanese? That's my second language. Which is it's a little rusty, but but oh, but I do love, love that country. Cool. Just that East Asian understanding is important uh, to me. So I graduated from college in the year that women could fly in combat for the first time. And after being on an ROTC scholarship, uh, you know we had to pick a job in the Navy. So going to flight school seemed like a, a great fit and a great challenge. And uh, showed up at flight school, met my husband, who's the F eighteen pilot who served for twenty years. Uh, and then once I was winged as a naval aviator, flew H forty six helicopters and H threes uh, for ten years and deployed a couple times to the Persian Gulf. 
Uh, and then we were involved in the the Kosovo conflict and the Adriatic and and flew humanitarian missions in that part of the world. So, uh, so served with some of the greatest Americans for ten years. It was a it was an honor of a lifetime. Missed that job very much. Uh, so got out of the Navy after ten years and uh, started raising my family with with my husband and, and four kids and four. We had four children. So, so which I is was, harder, being a helicopter <laughs> pilot or raising four kids? I definitely have an appreciation for being a military spouse <laughs> as well. Probably that stay at home mom time was the hardest job I think I have done. That you know, had Hard work being a stay-at-home mom. You're you're worried about your kids. You're worried about their school, their safety. You know, paying the bills. Uh, My husband was deployed a lot, so. uh, But it was it was great to be able to stay home with my children and such an important job. Uh, I did that for about five or six years and had a GI bill that was burning a hole in my pocket. So knew I wanted to go back to school. I have a mother who's a nurse and a brother who's a nurse and. I just had grandparents who were very impactful in my life, and I saw one set of grandparents age in a nursing home and had Alzheimer's disease, and another set who lived in, near New York City and traveled the world and very independent. So I just wanted to be, uh, you know, to to serve and to be a participant in healthcare for our greatest generation. That's been the honor of a lifetime to be able to to do that. So I I did go back to school. I went to ODU, got my uh, bachelor's degree in nursing into Vanderbilt, and got my master's degree in adult geriatric uh, as an adult geriatric nurse practitioner and have been able to work then in long-term care and assisted living, home health, hospice. I love working in memory care units. I've worked for uh, just memory clinics. Uh, that's been and just a fast. It's fascinating to be involved. Just how kind of exhausted, Jen? Like, how have you done this all? How are you? Like, you're so well, young. How are you doing all this? And then you were, and then you were a state senator too. Yes. So after after, uh, and I continued to work. You know, we're part time yeah. legislators in Virginia. So uh, in 2019, I really just hated what I saw on TV. Right? I mean, how many people out there are watching the news and yelling at their televisions? Because that's what my parents did. That's what yeah, I've that's always. What my done. husband does. And we we all do it. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's a nightmare out there. So I hated the division. I hated some of the the negative rhetoric. I I thought, gosh, we can do better than this. We can do better for our country. We need better leaders. Uh, and I saw a lot of Democratic women running. Uh, this was the first time Elaine Luria ran on the second district. So I, I saw a lot of you know it's funny. I had a squatter mate who uh, who ran in New Jersey for Congress, and she won a congressional seat. We had flown together. So okay. I thought, well, if these women are doing it, especially these veteran women, you know, where are the Republican veteran women? Because I certainly don't feel represented. Uh, and there were none. And then in Virginia, we have no women at all that are Republicans or conservatives that represent our Commonwealth up in the halls of Congress. Wow. So for me, completely underrepresented, you know, and so it inspired me to want to run for office. I literally went to a, a weekend crash course in how to run a campaign, and uh, and the state senator from my district retired uh, pretty abruptly. And the seat was open, and so we literally Googled how do you get on the ballot and then just started knocking a lot of doors and talking to carpool moms and soccer team moms and uh, and we were working our, working our tails off, right? And That's how you win. You knock doors, you talk to voters. Yeah. So 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 we won in 2019, and that was the year of the blue wave in Virginia. That's right. So if you remember, we the Democrats were on a mission that year. We had very slim majorities in our state house and state senate. We had a, a Democrat in the governor's mansion, Ralph Northam. Yep. So, uh, so I showed up after that great victory. I was the only new Republican uh, in the state Senate that year, and uh, it was the year of the blue wave, and they did flip the House and Senate. So then I sat in what was one-party liberal progressive rule, 
and I had a front row seat there. And I call it the danger and insanity, really, of one-party progressive liberal rule because what I sat through and have had a front row seat to has been wrong. It's the wrong way to govern. We saw the most just egregious and extreme legislation that was passed the first two years I sat there. And I was just fresh out of being a Navy veteran healthcare yeah. provider You're mom. Probably like, like, what, what is going what on What is going here? on here? It was this awful crazy. to sit through. We saw attacks on our constitutional rights. Second Amendment rights, our fights for life, our fights to keep our kids in school, our fights for our businesses, our fights for law enforcement, fights for how we conduct elections. I mean, every single one of those things was was uh, sent through legislation. They were on an agenda, and it passed out of both chambers and was signed by our Democratic governor. And so, now it's been rejected by the voters of the <laughs> Commonwealth of Virginia because now we have Glenn Youngkin. <laughs> I mean, yes. it, it, clearly— they're, I think that Virginia is the first step of, of rejecting the radical extremism right. from the Democrat Party. And you're going to be that mm-hmm. second wave of that in, in yeah. your state. But you saw it firsthand as a state senator. Firsthand. So what made you decide to run for Congress? So it motivates me because what I sat through on the state level in that room, in that chamber, we see exactly the same thing happening yeah, in the halls of exactly. Congress right now. It's the same one-party progressive liberal rule. And we have a Democrat-controlled House of Representatives, a Democrat Senate, and a Democrat in the White House. And that's led to some extremism that is not good for America. It's not best for, for Americans. So it really motivates me on a daily basis just to get out there, to be a part of, of flipping the U.S. House which I know we can do and do this year, but it's a fight. That fight is very real for me. I've sat through that fight. It was, you know, just in the news and on the television before I was there in the room. But in the room, I mean, it is a true fight, and I care that much about my country, having served my country in the military, about my kids and my family. I mean, I want to leave them a great country that I know America is. Uh, About my, my patients, my constituents, just the people of Virginia, the people of America, we deserve better than that. I think so. I think what you're saying resonates with a lot of people right now. And I think this is, and I say this a lot, but it's going to be an election really about common sense versus crazy. I mean, Glenn Youngkin didn't run on radical things. It's not radical to say parents should have a say in their kids' education. It's not radical right. to say we should be able to afford groceries and gas and right. and be able to have a job and a livelihood. And when you see the Democrats doubling down on things that are extreme and really don't make an impact in the lives of average citizens. It's it's yeah. it's harmful. Yeah. And thank you for stepping up in the arena and doing that. So let's talk a little bit about your expertise because you come from a high military uh, population in your district. We actually just opened a veterans office in your district. Um, so talk about your constituents. How? What do you feel are some of the main issues that you're going to deal with in Congress when it comes to our veterans and our military? Yeah, I love talking about the military because it's one of the personal reasons why I run. And yes, thank you for opening that veteran center in Virginia Beach. It was great to be a part of. Uh, but, you know, I'm the daughter of a, a Army uh, Green Beret who served in Vietnam, uh, and my husband served for 20 years. I'm a military spouse in addition to being a, a helicopter pilot. Uh, and I have children now who serve. I have a son who's a rising senior at the Naval, or who's a oh, senior wow. at the Naval Academy, and, uh, and a sophomore who's at Virginia Military Institute and Navy ROTC. So, uh, you know, we look at things like what happened last year with Afghanistan withdrawal and that chaotic withdrawal. And in one week, we look at what you did to our country and our standing on the world stage. And that was an embarrassment, right? It, it was you, so awful. We America's a good and strong country, and you made us look weak and embarrassed on the world stage. And I'm sick of watching that. Uh, you made us, you know, we should be a deterrent, and we weren't a deterrent that day. 
And we provided stability. You know, I served there. My husband served there. Our friends and colleagues served there. We provided some stability in a very dangerous part of the world. And you took that away from us. You took that away from all veterans and from all active duty servicemen and women. So we're, oh, by the way, you killed 13 servicemen and women as well. And we're not going to let you forget that because there's no, no reason for those deaths. The blood of those guys is on Joe Biden's hands. So that's why I run because I think of now my kids and I think of my, my son and his friend, my sons and their friends. And now I leave to them a world that's not as safe, that's not as stable. I know that. I mean, look at what happened in Russia and in Ukraine. That's a direct result of us not being a deterrent, not being strong. And I know that China is waiting and watching to go into Taiwan, and we have enemies out there. So now you are literally putting my children at risk. You are putting my sons and their friends at risk. So now I'm a mad mom, right? Now I'm a mom yeah. on a mission. And yeah. that's one thing you don't want to mess with. Yeah, mom on a mission. So. <laughs> I've been hearing that a lot lately. I love yes, it. very much. So, but uh, but it's important for us as veterans to, to want to continue. We want to continue to serve our country. My life has been about service. So things like the Veterans Center that we opened in Virginia Beach, I mean, it, it is great. It gives us a home, right, to be able to to use our political voices. Because in the military, we don't talk about political parties. You we have do to be. You have to be apolitical. You do. And, and we do what the country asks us to do. Um, but when we get out, it's a process and a transition. We, we still want to serve. We still really care about the country. So uh, it's hard for us to, to start using our voices. So having a place like a veteran center really just allows us, again, to have that home, to be able to, to talk to each other, to organize. Uh, you know, the Democrats, uh, they, they, uh, they tried to attack us on opening a Republican veteran center. Uh, actually helping veterans in our community. And how unpatriotic is that for That's them to crazy. attack us I didn't on know doing that something happened. that— But yeah. I do think what you're saying makes a lot of sense because being a veteran, being a wife of a veteran, um, being a daughter, but now a mother, mm-hmm. when you see what Joe Biden did and he's looking at his at his yeah. watch, right, as he's, as he's greeting yeah. the fallen soldiers yeah. and seeing their families, um, the disrespect, that just that one moment— right embodies the disrespect he had for those mothers, those fathers whose daughters and sons were mm-hmm. killed in Afghanistan under his watch. Yes. But he didn't want to talk to the American people about it. He didn't want to say, I did anything wrong. In fact, he applauded himself. So thank you for being willing to step up and be a voice mm-hmm. for military families. With your background, you're going to make a huge impact because you get to speak as a mother of two young men mm-hmm. who— want a good commander-in-chief, who want a country and a Congress that's fighting for them and making the best decisions on their behalf, too. Mm -hmm. That's so great. I'm so glad you're doing that. So let's talk about your opponent. She is way outspending you right now. She's got a lot of money. We know the Democrats have, you know, all their big tech friends and their Hollywood friends just pouring money into their campaigns. And I said this earlier today, we were just in a in a meeting earlier. Democrats are going to try and make this issue about anything other than the economy right. and gas prices and our education. And they're really coming to you on abortion. That's their that's the issue. They're going to yeah. try and make abortion the number one issue po- yeah. post-Dobbs. So talk about your response to her and what you're yeah. seeing in this race. Yeah. So abortion is an issue this cycle with the reversal of the Dobbs decision. So, uh, you know, we have to be careful, especially as Republicans, as Republican women, and how we discuss the issue. We have to exercise compassion. Uh, you know, as a female, as a mom, as a nurse practitioner, you know, I feel well equipped to have the discussion because it's a complicated one. It really is. Uh, but I will say this about my opponent. They are lying. They lie. They have lied about me. They have lied about a lot of women candidates, or a lot of men candidates too, but calling us extremists on abortion. 
uh, you know, saying we don't allow for allow for exceptions, which is not the case. You know, and they do this to distract from what their extreme position is on abortion. And I'm running against a congresswoman who has voted on the U.S. House floor for the Women's Health Protection Act, which allows for abortion up to nine months for any reason and at taxpayer expense. And she will not tell you that. She doesn't tell you any any of her. No. She votes with Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi 99% of the time. And that's my job to educate voters. But they are trying to distract from their very extreme views on abortion. 80% of Americans disagree with allowing for abortions up to up to nine months. You know, in Virginia, and just so, you know, people understand, it, it, the reversal of uh, Roe versus Wade brings it to the state house now, exactly. right? So it's a state discussion. And in Virginia, we have some of the most liberal abortion laws. Uh, and they've been harmful to women. You know, I care about women. I care about women's mental health. I care about being supportive of women. Uh, and some of the laws we've passed in Virginia have been extreme and, uh, you know, taken away education requirement or education requirements, ultrasound options, waiting periods. We allow nurse practitioners to perform abortions in Virginia. You know, we've done things that have been the wrong direction for women. Uh, and Democrats, say, they say they're the, the party of women and this and that, but you're hurting women by not letting them make informed choices. So, you know, I'm a pro-life candidate. I want women to be able to choose life at every chance they can. So I want to equip you to make a good decision. I want to, I care I want to exercise compassion and care. I understand this is a crisis moment for women. Uh, but I'll tell you what I'm against. And again, what most Americans are against. And that's what the Democrats want. And in Virginia, we I mean, we had that legislation. Yep. We had a representative who wanted to allow for abortions up to nine months. We clarified that this allows for up to the moment of the birth. She said yes. And then we had Ralph Northam saying if the baby survives abortion, we're just going to let it be comfortable. And this became a national clip that we used when, when our governor said that. So people need to understand that that is the fight. And the Democrats will use use the issue, and they will lie about Republican stance on an issue. And I, I think, and I'm going to, I think this is true, too, with um, the Democrats. They want to make this the, the only issue and I think it's actually a little insulting to voters, yeah. especially women. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jen, do you get to wake up every day and think about one issue? <laughs> we are not single-issue right. voters. Right. We're the whole voter. Right. And that's what the Republican Party's talking about. This is going to send it back to the states. The states are, are going to find consensus. Right. Um, there's going to probably be compromise based on what the voters want. But the Democrats will not answer to their extreme position. Should we have gender selection abortions? Democrats are for that. I'm right. sorry, as a woman, I'm, right. I'm very opposed to right. aborting a baby just because it's a girl. Right. Um, right. Taxpayers shouldn't have to fund something they they morally disagree with. I think most Americans agree with that. And certainly nine month mm-hmm. and a due date when that baby can be adopted, when you know that right. baby feels right. pain. Right. right. I mean, that's, that's extreme. And right. so Democrats won't answer to that, but they want to talk about it all day long, except yes. talk about their position. Right. But we as Republicans need to address it, which you're doing, mm-hmm. and then also talk about the issues facing yeah. Americans right now under right. Joe Biden's America. Right. right. I mean, crime is a huge issue. Yes. Education's a huge issue. Our kids have been so catastrophically left behind by the Democrat policies. Yep. Um, what are some of the other issues yep. you're hearing in your district? Yeah. So when it, I love door knocking. That is the best thing about running a campaign. Yeah. My husband loves door knocking. It's, okay. It's, I think uh, that's a little unique because <laughs> I, I actually our like door knocking too. Yeah. I love it. We ride our bikes to every door. It's great. We can talk are to your thousands kids of doing voters. It too? They will on occasion, but okay. it's my husband and I really leading the charge. But what we hear at the doors is people that really aren't, uh, they aren't happy with the direction of the country. I'd say that's the number one thing I hear. And when they want to really do a, a more of a dive into why 
Absolutely the economy, right? Yeah, Absolutely. it's the economy's I mean, I number one issue. Too. Yeah. My kids' Civic used to cost $20 to fill up for the week. Here's your 20 bucks. Go go do what you need to do. Get to school. Get to your clubs. And and now it's $60 at least. And I have three kids that drive. So, you know, this is a, an added expense uh, that every American is paying for at the gas pump, at the grocery stores. This is going to drive people out to vote. Uh, but just, And it's the direct result of just failed economic policies. I mean, the wasteful spending that happens in D.C. I don't know if money grows on trees up there. I don't, I'm going to find the money trees. I don't know. It's <laughs> like, you know, I have to pay my bills at my house. And yeah. I don't spend more money than I take in. And I think it's uh, irresponsible of the, what the federal government, so what Congress there, is So the economy is the number one issue. Are they correlating the inflation, the fake— re- Inflation Reduction Act. Are they correlating Biden's policies with that? Are they getting that when you talk to them, or do they just know it's a problem? So we will call them out on it a lot and talk about, you know, they name these bills, all these positive things when they do nothing positive. Yeah, exactly. You know, and Elaine Luria just last week was, uh, we clipped her saying, well, the Inflation Reduction Act, I voted for that. That's just its name only. It's really a huge environmental bill. So she said that. So we yeah. clipped that and we're making sure the voters know about that issue. I mean, the bill literally, you know, $80 billion for 87 thousand IRS agents. We could have used that money in really important places like the border. We need more border patrol agents, like schools. We we need more school resource support officers. Support our veterans, right? Support, support our vet- veterans. Get, recruitment for the military. I mean, I, it can go in so many different directions. And the fact that you chose that to expand government uh, and to make for big government that is not the direction. That is not the answer for any solution is to expand government intervention. So, But this is just, again, all part of their agenda. They want to continue to, to waste trillions of dollars of our taxpayer money uh, on promoting their, their agenda. We've got to stop that. So in 2021, when Glenn won and Winsome and Jason, education was a big issue yeah. in Virginia. I mean, we saw yeah. Democrats labeling moms and dads domestic terrorists. You're a mother of four. You've got two mm-hmm. school-age kids uh, or high school um, kids. How big of an issue is that right now in Virginia when you say you're a mama on a mission? Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it was uh, the victories we had last November were such a success. And we we worked our tails off last year and it was a team effort like I've never been a part of. So, yeah. but, but it just goes to show you what we can do when we, when we put our heads together like that. We knew the country was watching and we wanted to provide that hope by winning those important elections. So it's awesome to have Governor Yunkin and I sit in the Senate with Winsome Sears and have Jason Miaras, who's a good friend, and we flipped our house of delegates. So great victories we celebrated. But a huge reason we won was that education piece. It was. And if you remember the debate with Terry McAuliffe when he said, no, I, I don't think parents should have a voice in their kids' education. I mean, they they locked our schools, and then they tried to lock out our parents last year. And Glenn Youngkin showed up and said, parents matter. Parents want a voice in their kids' education. We need more transparency in things like our school curriculum. You know, we're seeing test scores that are at a 30-year low. Yeah, I have a sister who's a teacher. I mean, not, and I'm just watching my own children. And it was hard. How hard was it to watch when it's so hard. the kid, the tears when my daughter couldn't log on to her digital class because it's a computer digital and everybody's on Wi-Fi in my house and I mean that that was hard to sit through. But in the, on top of that, we saw what they were actually learning and what they were studying and. We need to know what they're studying out there. In addition to that, we need to expand some options for parents. I mean, I'm a big supporter of school choice. Your zip code should never determine what kind of education you're getting. So we've got to be more supportive of our teachers as well. You know, however we can help them financially, just like our law enforcement. I mean, totally. teachers and, and law enforcement. We love our teachers. Under, it's not about the teachers. That's, I have so many—I have friends who've left teaching because yes. of the stress that they felt right. Right. of— 
dealing with their own kids yeah. and then also the remote learning yeah. it, the, they they had a lot coming at them yep. my husband's family is they're all teachers um it's not about we're so grateful for our teachers but the unions and the democrats mm-hmm. did not pay attention to our kids no. i just find it very counterintuitive because parents know their kids best so why right. wouldn't you want them as part of the conversation i was just you know, my son just started high school his senior year, and yeah. one of the teachers sent a note to us and said, "Can you please tell us about your son?" Yeah. The teachers want us involved too. Yes. They want to know yes. about our kids. Yeah. But do you think parents are getting involved because they want a bad outcome for their kids? Is that what you actually think? It's not that. It's right. that the unions they want carte blanche to do what they want and yeah. use our schools as an indoctrination. Yes, yes. This tool. wokeness that's happening mm-hmm. in our education system, that's why there needs to be more transparency about the curriculum uh, because it is it is leaking in, not just in our in our K-12 through education. I worry so much about our colleges and universities. I worry about places the schools my kids attend, like our, our yeah. service academies, yeah. because we see it filtering down to that. There's no place for that. There's no place for that in education. There's no place for that in the military. And you can do something about that in Congress, with yes. especially our service. Yeah, and I want a seat at that table. I'm running against a congresswoman who is vice chair of the Armed Services Committee. She's had that seat, and yet she complains that Joe Biden's budget guts the needs of the Navy. Well, you've been in the majority party that controls those purse strings, and you haven't gotten it done, not just for our vet- for our active duty. We've got to take care of those people. But I want a seat at that table. It's time for her to be replaced. I love it. Uh, one, I'm just going to end with one other thing with your broad resume, but I do want to talk about this. You're a nurse for geriatric patients. We have a population that's getting older. Mm -hmm. What are some of the things that you think will be important that you can do in Congress for um, healthcare and in our elderly population. Yeah, it's been a great honor to be a voice for our older adults and their caregivers on the state level, and I really look forward to doing that. And the federal level as well, there's not a lot of advocates for geriatrics and for our aging population, so it's it's just an honor to do that. Uh, but I want to I want to first and foremost say that we've got to protect Medicare, right? I mean, so many of my patients, our seniors, our older Americans, greatest generation, rely on Medicare. Yeah. We need to make Medicare stronger uh, so that we can protect it for future generations as well. That $700 billion that we took from Medicare to spend on Obamacare, we need to get back, back to Medicare. So I need my patients to get good health care uh, so that it can relieve the burden. Right now, we've got a huge caregiver burden out there. You know, it's been a great honor to advocate for caregivers and really look at some of our facility-level care, too, on the state level. There's so much need for nursing home reform out there. There's so much need to advocate for our providers because we talk about mental health, and as politicians, we like to throw that word around. And and gosh, I mean, we could talk about mental health care for our students that we're seeing the need for uh, to reach out to those guys, but for really everyone in, in the aging yeah, spectrum. So true. And and we have to do better. We don't have the providers that we should have. So how can I be a voice for providers? We're at a nursing crisis right now. Uh, so we've been able to do some good things on the on the local level, but in state level. But I uh, I really want to do that on the federal level as well. And and look out for my greatest generation, their patients but their caregivers and their providers. I love that you're bringing that background. I just think of, uh, my mom loves Medicare. I mean, she talks yeah. about it. You know, I, you just think of uh, especially our nursing home patients who were hurt so much yeah. in the pandemic from Democrat policies, yep. pushing, um, you know, COVID-infected patients into mm-hmm. the nursing home or isolating them. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. Democrats really let down our senior citizens during the pandemic. So you... Yeah. You're just going to bring so much with military, with mom, with um, with your nursing background. I'm so excited for you to be in the house. Thank you. Um, Me too. <laughs> one final thing, and this will just be fun. Um, 
or maybe not fun, but <laughs> what do you say to that voter who's jaded and, oh, yeah. they're all the same, yeah. and what yeah. difference yeah. does it yeah. make? Or I, I don't know if my vote's, vote's going to count. Because yeah. yeah. what are you saying to people about, yeah. you know, the greatness of this country yeah. and why they need yeah. to engage? Well, it's I have it a little easier in Virginia because I can use the example of last yeah, year and true. what happened when we really did get people out to vote and to use their their voices. Uh, but I tell them they need to be hopeful and enthusiastic and excited because we can do this. We did it last year. We're going to do it again. And we need, what, five seats to flip the U.S. House? And this is absolutely going to be one of them. Elaine Luria has been voting with Nancy Pelosi and Joe Biden's agenda 99% of the time. And we've been lied to for four years. She plays a moderate. She's 99. not a moderate. So I know that district. You know, my state Senate district sits in the heart of the congressional district. We're good common sense people, proud Americans. We want what's best for our kids. We care about kitchen table issues. That's what I talk about. I talk about things that you and I and every other voter out yeah. there cares about. Community safety, our kids in schools, how much we're paying for gas, you know, our military. These are the things that I will continue to talk to and, and educate voters. So that's why just all financial support and the help that, okay, give that your, we need give as your, candidates. Give your, give your, I said I'd start with Thank it. Let's you. end with it. I Thank mean, now you. you heard her, guys. You got, you just heard her. You got to support her. Got to get that message out to voters. So www.genforcongress, J-E-N-F-O-R, congress.com. But it's a great honor to be in the fight. I'm really excited about flipping this seat this year and helping to be a part of the great team that's going to flip the U.S. House and get the country back on the right okay, track. Okay, so Absolutely. everybody get involved. Go give to Jen for Congress. Thank you so much thank for you. being part of my podcast. But most importantly, thank you for thank you. taking this on and running for Congress. I'm excited for November when you get elected. Me too. Me too. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jen. It. I'm Ronna McDaniel, and this is what Republicans stand for. Join us next time on Real America. Paid for by the Republican National Committee, not authorized by any candidate or candidates committee, www.gop.com.